Ahoy mateys, and welcome to Krabby-O Mondays. My name is Waiter, and I'll be your captain this evening. Can I start you off with something to drink? Maybe a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> start this night off right, am I right? Also, our specials this evening include enjoying this podcast and subscribing to the YouTube channel. How about we get you started with a complimentary song from our head busboy. to the most porous podcast you'll find along your travels of the tubes of the internet. I'm ready. A SpongePod Squarecast. Welcome aboard to episode 140 of the Squarecast. I'm your captain, Captain Eric, and it's time for us to sell out, you know? As the great million-dollar man Ted DiBiase once said, everybody has a price. Everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man. Now, I have no plans on selling out anytime soon, but who really plans those things anyway? Famous last words, I won't sell out. Then all of a sudden, you're on commercials, you're you're in magazines, on ads. But what is selling out in, in its entirety? I just made reference to the music industry or advertisements. Selling out at its core is when you give up your beliefs for, for, for gain. And that doesn't necessarily have to be for profit, although most of the time when you're speaking about selling out or it's brought up in terms of entertainment, there is some sort of money being passed around. But you do not necessarily have to be paid to sell out. It's really about where your incentive is and what it is you're changing to get to that incentive. Here's one way that I look at it. All of us making art in this world, we are all on a road, a straight road that eventually finds itself at a crossroads, and that crossroads is profit. That's that's money that you can make. The closer you are to that crossroads, the more money that you can make from your art. There are some people who, when they see that crossroads, can turn right around and go back the other way, still maintaining their place on that street, but staying away from that profit crossroads. And there are others who will run directly towards that and stay on that crossroads for as long as possible. Now, wherever you may find yourself along your your street of of art and where you're 
moving towards. I don't know if that noise was caught on here. Something in the kitchen just uh, sold out. Yeah, you hear that, Mr. Salt? You're a sellout! Staying with that street metaphor for one moment, alongside your street, you're going to have people lined up. Closer you are to the crossroads, the more people. And those people are cheering you on. They're supporters. Those are the people that are there for you and your art. And sometimes, alongside those people, there may be others who want to help you even more and go, hey, I have a shortcut that'll get you closer to the crossroads. I have this contract here. You have to just sign this. And it says A, B, and C. And and that right there is where some people may find themselves in a situation because a lot of the time, as I said earlier, profit can come into play when changing one's beliefs or trying to shift around your thoughts to make what the changes are work and trying to keep some semblance of, of integrity in your art. Because at the end of the day, the greatest forms of art are going to be the most honest ones. And if you're not being honest in your art, well, how do you expect anybody to take you seriously? At the very least, you know, if you can't be honest in art, which doesn't ask for much other than for you to be you, I I, I can't tell you what else people would, would expect from you outside of, of that space if you can't be honest there, you know? Now, in some cases, some cases, there may be times where you do just have to bite the bullet and do something you may not fully enjoy for a benefit that may go beyond your means. And what I'm saying is sometimes when that level of money in front of you means more to others than just yourself, if you have the intentions of helping others with with whatever you're gaining, that may completely change the way you're looking at the entire situation in your head. You know, I have principles and integrity with the art that I make but I also have a mother and father I would love to support and I'm not saying that I would take every single shortcut that was thrown my way because I I feel like I'm smarter than that but at some point everybody has a price now not everybody there are people out there where monetary gain means absolutely nothing to them and for those artists out there you you have my heart, you have my love. I'm not saying I'm not one of you, but I'm just saying I, I'd like to at least be a little closer to that crossroads, if you know what I'm saying. I, I don't want to be right next to it. I don't need to see it. I just need to know it's there, and I feel like I'm moving forward, but I'm also being dragged back in some places, so I don't know. It's a metaphor that is messy. I hope you understand it. And when it comes to selling out, really at the end of the day, it's all about your happiness and whatever you're doing with your life. If you can find happiness and not making art anymore and moving on with the money that you made, hey, that is your life. No one else should have to dictate what you're doing or write your story. I've said that before in this podcast, and, and it still stands. So even if you are someone who decides to fully take advantage of any shortcut that you're given and you decide to change Whatever your art is, at the end of the day, it is whatever you want to produce out to the world for whatever reason. It's a beautiful thing that we all can can be here and do all of this. But outside of the world of art, let's talk about restaurants for a second. 
and move into that space because we have an entirely other conversation to get into when it comes to restaurants uh, later on when we get to the Krabby O Mondays part of the SpongeBob episode. But when it comes to selling out your restaurant, at the end of the day, it all really depends on why you are in your business. Some people get into the restaurant business simply for profit, simply for money. And I do think there does have to be at least a genuine love of food in some way to get into that world of, of owning your own restaurant. I I would hate to look at someone who wasn't into making food or into, you know, being in that world and then owning a restaurant. I I have to imagine there are people out there who are like that, but I, I can't imagine those restaurants are really doing well if you don't have the passion for it. But if you have that passion, I guess one day that passion could run out or you can find yourself in a really sticky situation where all of a sudden someone wants to buy your business, your your restaurant, this this thing that you've built for X amount of years and now they're offering all of this money and you just sell it. And that's it. Restaurant's gone or moved on to somebody else. Now for the owners who never really wanted to get into the restaurant business in the first place and then are able to sell it, maybe for profit, I'm sure those individuals are are extremely excited, but what about those who really have the passion for being in the restaurant business, for making food, that moment of having to sell your business? Are things just not working out as well as you hoped? Or is the offer just that good? You know? Like Ted DiBiase said, everybody has a price. It is a is a through and through uh, wrestling term that kind of transcends wrestling when you really think about it. And even if you love your business, if somebody just showed up with a certain amount of money, like when Microsoft showed up to Notch, creator of Minecraft, and said, "Hey, we want to buy the whole thing for two point five billion dollars," money that just doesn't get offered for you. Do you give up your business? Do you give up? Your restaurant, do you give up your game? I don't know what that dollar amount looks like to you, especially if you already are owning a successful business out there. But what if somebody showed up with with money that was beyond your wildest dreams, where you could start a business over again tenfold? Would you take that opportunity? Or would you stick with what? You've built what you know, and hopefully if it's profitable, something you can continue to build on. I don't know. That's a different question for everybody. For Mr. Krabs, though, there there is an answer to that question. Although before we even get to that selling part of, of the Krusty Krab, we got to start at the beginning. Selling out is the first half of the 65th episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, and it first premiered on September 23rd. 2005. Our storyboard directors for this episode are Zeus Service, Eric Weiss, who are both writers alongside Tim Hill. Our animation director is Alan Smart. Our technical director is Vincent Waller. And our supervising producer is Paul Tibbet. The title card music for this episode is one of my favorites in SpongeBob history. It's called Drunken Sailor, composed by Nicholas Carr who arranged this off of the shanty What Shall We Do With the Drunken Sailor 
and it just right when it starts out perfect mood for a crusty crab centric episode and right off the bat mr crabs has a shanty of his own singing about his love of course of money mr crabs not only loves money but he loves greed and gordon gecko would absolutely have a framed photo of mr crabs on his desk because gordon gecko and mr crabs go hand in hand they both agree that greed is good. I am not a destroyer of companies. I am a liberator of them. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind and greed you mark my words will not only save Teldar paper but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much. It really shouldn't come as a surprise to know that Mr. Krabs is greedy and is proud of it. Most people who are greedy are fully aware of their greed and are completely content with being that way, as if it's a badge of honor to just be that oblivious to the rest of the world and to have your head so far up in the clouds that there's no way that you can possibly see the pile of money that you're sitting on. And there's no way for you to appreciate the pile of money that you're sitting on. And for some, it just is never going to be enough. Isn't that sad? There are those out there living lives where they can't possibly have another room to put more stuff. They couldn't possibly fill their stomach with any more of the fancy foods they're throwing out. Yet, it just doesn't feel like enough. Isn't that sad? But Mr. Krabs, he is one wallowing in his greed, so much so that he is, is singing it loudly and proudly, enough to attract a man who Mr. Krabs respects and loves and adores, a businessman known as Howard Blandy of the Howard Blandy Franchising Company, who has finally showed up to the Krusty Krab. According to Mr. Krabs, Howard Blandy has purchased and franchised every restaurant in Bikini Bottom. Not including the Krusty Krab, and I'm going to include the Chum Bucket as well, and I honestly believe that it was the last man standing in Bikini Bottom as far as uh, self-owned restaurants, where it seems like now everything else was just owned by this one Howard Blandy who wants to purchase the Krusty Krab from Mr. Krabs, who admittedly at first is not interested in selling the Krusty Krab, even when you have an entire briefcase filled with cash in front of him. And I'm not just saying cash where you can see it coming from the outsides of the briefcase. It's one of those briefcases that when you open it up, it is holding an even bigger mound of cash in it. I tried my best to see how much roughly it would be. And if those bills are in the denominations of 20s, I, I guess around 100000 in that one briefcase would make sense. 
But if they were in denominations of 100s, it could be upwards of a million dollars in that briefcase. But although Mr. Krabs is dumbfounded by the sight of a briefcase filled with cash, he knows it's not enough to attract the Krusty Krab away from him until Howard brings out the big guns, which is just business talk for more money. And as he points outside, there is a boat waiting attached to a trailer filled with briefcases of cash, which I have to imagine is roughly the same amount in each briefcase as what Howard had personally brought in to show Mr. Krabs, which were a lot easier to count than the the bills inside of the briefcase. The first shot of the trailer with all of the briefcases is way too big, and there's a lot more there, but when we get the tighter shot, of SpongeBob and Squidward coming out to Mr. Krabs to confront him as I may have alluded to Mr. Krabs sells the Krusty Krab for whatever dollar amount has been shown to him in terms of this is what's in this briefcase and there's 60 plus briefcases out attached to your car that's more than six million dollars right there And I definitely think that amount is on the small end of this situation. Six million dollars for the Krusty Krab? I I don't think it's worth it. And there's certainly more money at play because it's enough to make Mr. Krabs sign on the dotted line that Howard Blandy now owns every single aspect of the Krusty Krab, including the employees and the cash register. And as long as he gets to keep the money that Howard is offering him, the deal is is on the table. And Mr. Krabs accepts it, walks right out of the Krusty Krab as all of this new furniture and furnishings come in to redo the Krusty Krab into a brand new restaurant for Bikini Bottom. SpongeBob and Squidward are confused by this. They go out to Mr. Krabs to confront him and realize that they're on a completely different path than what they had originally signed up for when it comes to this restaurant because Mr. Krabs is gone. He is off onto retirement and in comes the new manager of this new restaurant in Bikini Bottom, Carl, who is designed and voiced by C.H. Greenblatt, one of the most prolific crew members in SpongeBob SquarePants history, a storyboard artist, a writer, a storyboard director, and of course the inspiration for this character of Carl. Now, you may have never heard of the name C.H. Greenblatt, but I'm sure you heard of his other works that have included Chowder and, of course, the Nicktoon Harvey Beaks. But C.H. is also well-known for voicing the character of Fred Fredberger on The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. So C.H. Greenblatt has been around for a while, and his caricature has been used in many of his cartoons, so it's just fantastic to see this little rendition of Carl here for Bikini Bottom. Carl the manager in this episode is one of my favorite newest additions of of a background character. The design is a bit unsettling. I'm, I'm sorry about that, CH. I think you understand, at least with the eye placement, with what they were going with with this character, there's just, there's something off about Carl. His eyes are always wandering, and he's he's making sure that things are running as smooth as they can at this brand new establishment, which Mr. Krabs drives by the next day and sees 
as Krabby O Mondays, a TGIF style restaurant, which reminds me of the fictional restaurant Tchotchkes from the movie Office Space, which is also meant to parody TGIF with all of the goofy memorabilia on the walls, the sports bar aesthetic, the employees that are dressed to the nines with flair. And no, I'm not talking about the Rick kind. It is an establishment that is familiar in one way, and then you can also think that you have seen a thousand places like this. Not only are there chain restaurants that have this kind of aesthetic in them, there are mom-and-pop restaurants that also follow the same kind of idea, although it could range on the kind of memorabilia you're hanging on the walls. You could have a place like Planet Hollywood where it's more movie props, and pictures of celebrities who have gone to the restaurant. It could be Cracker Barrel, where the antiques on the walls are are more of a certain era of Americana. And by the way, when I was looking up research onto the items on these walls, are they all real? Are they fake? I actually found myself to somebody who asked this question all the way back in 2002. Cecil Adams of The Straight Dope asked the question, where do chain restaurants get their antiques. And in speaking with the Cracker Barrel decor manager, Larry Singleton, whose parents actually owned an antique shop which helped furnish the very first Cracker Barrel in 1969. As of the writing of this article back in 2002, the Cracker Barrel had 461 different restaurants in 41 different states, and each restaurant has roughly 1,000 items on its walls. The task of Larry Singleton is to essentially acquire antiques from around the country and keep them at this 26,000-square-foot facility with over 100,000 different items that they go through and code and send out to different restaurants, change things on the walls. It is a massive antiquing effort And it is not fake from the sounds of it. Now, in the same Reddit post in which I found that article from, there are those who claim to work for other companies that have fake products and fake memorabilia that comes from other places around the world and is then just hung up for the decoration purposes. And I can understand that as well. If you're looking for a certain look in your restaurant and the item that you might be looking for is just too expensive. Hey, it's just a decoration on the wall. Just get a fake one. It's not that big of a deal. But it was interesting to at least go down the the rabbit hole or the cracker barrel to uh, to find a little bit more information about this. So Krabby O' Mondays being this idea of these restaurants where it's just plain old bar food, but then you have the distraction of all this extra stuff adorned on the walls, getting brought to Bikini Bottom. It's shocking to know that there aren't restaurants that we've seen like this before, even though it it sounds like uh, Howard Blandy has been franchising a lot of these restaurants in in the past. I, I don't know what the time frame that has been because this is the first time we've seen this character, but if you remember, there have been mention of previous restaurants in town to add on extra gimmicks that may have been of the of the chain restaurant type. So who knows? Howard Blandy could have been 
behind the scenes in Bikini Bottom this entire time, making these restaurants left and right, trying new things like a talking dog, and and who knows? Who knows what will work when it comes to Krabby on Mondays? Will it be as much of a success as the Krusty Krab? And from the looks of it, it is. Well, I didn't think as long as they kept the Krabby Patties going that the clientele would necessarily stop going. This isn't the first time the Krusty Krab has just disappeared in town. We all remember what happened when the Cuddly Krab came in. It's a shame old man Krab sold the Krusty Krab. That's a darn shame. Hey, lady, do you know where we can get something to eat around here? Outside of Krabby on Mondays, Mr. Krabs is enjoying his new life within retirement. He is going to the Hook Museum. He's trying out some painting. He's going golfing, even though Mr. Krabs says he doesn't like golf, which is really shocking because it feels like everyone who gets into business also gets into golf. Kind of goes hand in hand. By the way, a lot of deals are made on the golf course. Are you ready to meet Krabby the Clown? Yeah! All right, here you go! Mr. Krabs is actually running out of things to do, and even when he wants to hang out with Pearl, kind of gets put in his place where he's not doing anything with his life. He's just existing. He's just doing small, minute things to waste time, and Pearl lays in on him. Hey, get a hobby. Get a job. Get some friends. Do something with your life. You're just laying in bed. And it's a nice little wake-up call for Mr. Krabs, who finds himself... At a new job. He actually gets a new job, and it's the first time that we get to see Mr. Krabs, you know, work as an employee who gets a new job at this brand new restaurant in town, which needs some new help. And it's a restaurant, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Krabby O Mondays. That's right, Mr. Krabs actually runs into a help wanted sign at Krabby O Mondays and joins the crew alongside SpongeBob and Squidward, who you might be asking yourself, how is Squidward doing in this new environment with his new boss? And you would think he's probably getting fired at some point since no company really wants a Squidward or somebody who acts like that. Well, with the simple threat of a visit of the HR department, Squidward is able to turn that frown upside down and become a model employee for Krabby O'Mondays. And he has this big old forced grin on his face, and you can just, if you've worked in public service and you've had to put on that big old goofy fake smile for customer service means, this part of the episode really hits home. You, you know that feeling of you're being watched, Put on that smile, even though inside you feel like Squidward, you just got to put on that extra little oomph of pizzazz for that extra effort of customer service, of course. Now, no one should ever be threatened with a visit to the HR department unless you're just doing something that is truly against the rules. And to be fair, the HR department of your business is also there for you as an employee. So the way they're presented in this episode isn't the best, but hey, that's just the HR department for Krabby O'Mondays, for Howard Blandy. So I can't speak for every single HR department out there, but they should be there for you 
to help out. But Squidward doesn't want to visit the HR department, so he puts on that smile, goes about his business, and other than that, is a model employee. SpongeBob, on the other hand, is doing okay if okay is dying inside because the Krabby Patty system in place at Krabby on Mondays is to make synthetic Krabby Patties. There actually is no effort on SpongeBob's part when it comes to making these burgers. They are squeezed out of this container of gray goo. It is then molded into the look of a Krabby Patty, and then it is painted to appear like a Krabby Patty, but is entirely synthetic and, of course, would then increase profits because now they don't have to spend money on real meat, real ingredients, real buns, real sesame seeds, nothing. And at the end of this conveyor belt is just a pile of Krabby Patties for SpongeBob to just grab and serve, and he's not really enjoying himself and is extremely happy to see Mr. Krabs back in the Krusty Krab, although this isn't Mr. Krabs. He's not his boss anymore. Simply call him Eugene. Ow. I'm okay. Which I honestly have to give Eugene some credit for because I don't think I'd be able to do what he did. To build your empire like that, to build your business, then to just sell it off, which, completely okay. That is a decision that one can make and and have. It is your business, by the way. If you decide, hey... Enough's enough. I'm ready to move on. Here's this offer. I'm fine with my life. But to then go back and be an employee again for that new business, that's incredible. My hat is completely off to Eugene Krabs in this situation. I, I don't think I could go into a business I used to own and and then just be an employee and see how things are are being run differently. And not that it's just that it's different, but if if you see something being done differently and it's being done worse, only naturally you're going to want to say, hey, there's a better way to do this. And it can just come right back in your face. Well, you, you don't own this business anymore. It's so tough. And why do you even want to be in that situation anyway? Why do you want to be anywhere close to that? There's got to be other businesses that Eugene Krabs could have, uh, worked at other than going to Krabby O Mondays. He could have gone to the Chum Bucket. That would have been interesting to, to see him help out Plankton improve his business to uh, actually compete against Krabby O Mondays. He could have worked at uh, the Bargain Mart, could have worked at the bank. But nope, old Eugene went and picked up a job at the new Krabby O Mondays with Carl as his new manager. And Eugene here is the new busboy of the restaurant. Since they have expanded business a little bit in the sense of just redoing the restaurant, adding more tables, automating the uh, the cash register, which, by the way, out of all of the changes done to the Krusty Krab, uh, that is one of the, the main ones that is a contentious spot for the former Mr. Krabs though he's now known as uh, just Eugene. Just Eugene. He's no one's boss. Eugene here is is just happy cleaning up the tables, taking all of the plates. He is not happy, though, to see Squidward and the changes that have been done there. He, he does not like the peppy, happy Squidward, who very much seems like there's um, 
like a sniper shot of eyeballs looking at him at all times. I have, I feel like I have seen employees in restaurants like this where, I, not that it comes off unnatural because it, it does, but that's not what I mean. It's like they know they're being watched in some way and the way they're coming across is just so robotic. It's nice, but it just, it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's tough to explain. There's a difference between uh, an employee who might come off a bit robotic in their in their greetings and just their customer service. And then there's another layer to that if somebody just feels like maybe they are on thin ice, so they're just being extra careful in everything they're saying. And I, I've, I've seen it before, so the feeling of HR or even somebody like Carl lurking in the shadows, watching over your shoulders, they micromanage at a lot of chain restaurants. That's something that can happen. And it's not even really the fault of the manager in those situations for somebody like Carl to be looking over his employees' shoulders here at Crabio Mondays, because a lot of the time he has somebody looking over his shoulders, making sure he's doing his job. And it's just not necessarily seen at, you know, the, the bus boy or the cook or the server level in a restaurant because, you know, it's just sometimes in these chain franchise kind of places, the hierarchy, it's just always, you're always looking over your employee's shoulders. And at least if you have a good relationship and you're good at your job, you shouldn't have to do that. Micromanaging never works. There's always positives, sure, you can find with micromanaging. But the overall consensus, I will tell you, on both sides of that fence, is micromanaging just doesn't work. Uh, being a Carl... Being like super ready to pull the rule book at every single second, you know, follow the rules. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah, th there's just something off here that, that Squidward is portraying and, and Eugene can pick up on it. And he's not wrong. He is absolutely not wrong. Squidward goes as far as to even hide a help me note inside of the employee handbook when he tries to remind Eugene of some of the new rules inside of Crabio Mondays. Hey, fellas, what's going on over here? Oh, hey, Carl. Uh, I was just reminding Eugene of uh, Article 24, Section 3 of the Employee Handbook. Cut the chatter and pick up a platter. Good job, Squidward. What have you done with the real Squidward? The less you know, Eugene, the better. Beyond not being able to handle their rules, Eugene is also not happy about the automatic cash register in the store which, out of all of the changes done to Krabby Mondays, I would figure that that would be a favorite of the former Mr. Krabs. Given his, his pettiness, the greediness of him, hey, you don't have to pay somebody to stand behind the register and open it up. Now, it is expressed earlier in the episode that Mr. Krabs has a specific love of just opening up the cash register, having that, that drawer open up, seeing all the money, closing it, but then just popping it open again. Now, that is a pretty awesome thing to happen, but it's not like Mr. Krabs is behind that register all day. It's mostly Squidward. And honestly, although we love Squidward as a character, we don't love Squidward as a customer service representative, and we wouldn't want to deal with any Squidwards at any point in time. I will tell you as someone who has worked with the public, on plenty of occasions, 
There are days where you can feel like a Squidward and it's hard to hold that back because we're all people. We're dealing with our own personal stuff in life. And sometimes there is just spillover into your professional life. And you might come across like a Squidward to other people. So based on a single interaction, it's really not fair to to label somebody as, as a Squidward. But after a certain amount of times, after a certain amount of chances, if it is just a constant Squidward experience, you got to call a spade a spade. You know, you might be dealing with a Squidward. And we know from experience of this show that Squidward is really not giving the best customer service out there. So beyond the automatic cash register, I imagine there has to be some sort of automatic ordering system, which is available in many fast food places today where you can just walk in. You don't even have to interact with a person other than picking up your food. And even then, depending on how their system is of leaving your food that you ordered, you might not even have to deal with a human being at all. It's weird in some cases, but in others, I'm okay with it. You know, there, there's days where my social battery is a little bit lower than uh, than other days, and I might not be, you know, so distraught that I didn't have to speak to somebody inside of a fast food restaurant. Um, but I, I genuinely like good customer service interactions, and when that comes from both myself and when I find someone else who is just, you know, hey, just having a good day, or just genuinely enjoying their job. And that can certainly change my day. It certainly has happened in the past where just a good customer service interaction can just brighten your day a little bit. But I do think Squidward needs to watch out because although Mr. Krabs was heavily against it in this episode, I think down the line he could see the benefit of replacing Squidward and just having SpongeBob. Because no one can make Krabby Patties to the level in both quality and volume like SpongeBob can. So he's irreplaceable. Whereas, I don't know, Squidward, you better watch yourself a little bit. But Eugene is not happy about the the rules. He's not happy about the automated cash register. And when he comes across the synthetic Krabby Patty machine, this is where he, he has a line in the sand and Krabby O'Mondays has passed it. And this is the redeemable factor of Mr. Krabs. If anyone ever asks the question, how could this character, who is so greedy, so in such a negative aspect, so greedy in the worst ways possible, how can he be redeemable? And it's that at the end of the day, he does care about the people who are around him, i.e. SpongeBob, Squidward, Sandy, Patrick, you know, the core group, and he has shown that in various degrees over time. But when it comes to this aspect, Mr. Krabs has a love of the Krabby Patty and its integrity. Everything inside of that patty, for as cheap as Mr. Krabs is, he's seemingly honest over everything that is being served, and he's not really cutting corners on the quality of that burger. So say what you will about Mr. Krabs and his business practices, and he does cross lines here and there, but when push comes to shove, there is a integral piece to the entire machine of the Krusty Krab. It is the Krabby Patty. It is the heart and soul of that business. And if you're going to serve that burger, you got to serve it the right way. 
They clearly bought the Krabby Patty alongside the Krusty Krab. They owned legitimately everything a part of that business. What was really interesting is through my research of some of these fictional and, uh, well, it didn't start out as fictional restaurants. I was looking up some of the, the restaurants that have the stuff on the walls, the memorabilia and the flair that the, the employees have to wear. I came across a lawsuit from the actor who played the employee at Tchotchkes in the movie Office Space and that he sued the, the movie company for using his likeness on a piece of flair that was later used in some sort of office space, you know, a little bundled gift set, what have you. And for those that don't know, I I think I explained this earlier, I at least brought it up. The movie Office Space came out in 1999, I believe. Yep, 1999. And it is a comedy made by Mike Judge, who wrote and, and directed the film, the creator of Beavis and Butthead. And trust me, if you're at least a longtime listener of this show, those two have made quite the appearance here and there. Uh, Mike Judge made this wonderful little workplace comedy, this microscope into those mundane kind of office jobs and what they can do to people. And within that movie, they go to a fictionalized TGIF known as Tchotchkes, and the entire place is a parody of these kinds of restaurants. They just have all the stuff on the walls. It looks like Krabby on Mondays. There is certainly parts of, of those scenes in Office Space that had to have inspired some of the look and feeling of Krabby on Mondays. There, there has to be some sort of connection there. Uh, but yeah, the actor from within those scenes who shows off all the flair on his... Uh, on his suspenders, which Flair is literally, uh, they, they, they used to have employees at these restaurants that would wear suspenders on top of their shirts. And on the suspenders, they would just have just mounds of different kinds of buttons and pins and different attachments that would light up. And the more you had, the more you were showing off your Flair. And that was a joke throughout Office Space and a small part of one character's story throughout the movie is, you know, the amount of flair this person wore on their uniform compared to others. It was actually because of Office Space that TGIF no longer had their employees wear flair and wear all those goofy uh, light-up keychains and pins and whatnot. At least at least one manager of a TGIF had, had said it was because of the movie that that happened. But... uh yeah, so when you look at the way Squidward is dressed and you can see the suspenders and the way SpongeBob is dressed and the aesthetic of Krabby on Mondays, there is a little bit of tchotchkes and that flair baked deep inside. You can see the connections. And when it comes to the connection of that lawsuit to bring everything all the way around to the contract with uh, the Krabby Patty, because there is a point. I, I can go down some rabbit holes, but I always make sure to connect everything all the way back. But what was interesting is that the actor who, who sued the movie studio for using his likeness on a piece of merchandise, it did not go in his favor, and it's because he signed a day player agreement with the movie's production company, which granted the firm, and this is in quotes, 
And yes, this is an actual legal usage term in contracts. All rights throughout the universe. You are signing over all rights throughout the universe when it comes to being a part of this project. I laughed to myself a little bit in the inside when I when I saw that all rights throughout the universe. Which means that if we ever colonize Mars, they can still make office space stuff over on Mars and there doesn't have to be a second contract because it's throughout the universe. They have baked in the possibility of things happening outside of Earth. And that is just hilarious to me. And I also don't want to have my mind go down the darker holes of where all this goes. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, but that's what Mr. Krabs signed over was everything over to the firm, over to this company that was going to now franchise the Krusty Krab and the Krabby Patty, however they see fit, which in this case, it's not including the Krusty Krab name. They just got rid of that and wanted to start with Krabby O Mondays to push the Krabby Patty, but they wanted to cut corners and just make a synthetic Krabby Patty, which seemed to have fooled everyone around town until Mr. Krabs decides enough is enough. He takes the automatic cash register, shoves it up into the machine, and goes on a tirade showing all of the restaurant's current customers that they are eating gray goo instead of actual legitimate Krabby Patties, which sends everybody in a panic while the machine in the back is just building up with pressure of this synthetic Krabby Patty formula before it bursts and destroys the Krabby O'Mondays building. Howard Blandy shows up and realizes that the amount of money they're going to lose now that they're going to have to sell off this building, they're only going to get back pennies on the dollar for what they spent on this place. And you would think with that information, Mr. Krabs would know, oh, I don't have to give them back all of the money. But he was completely fine with just handing back every single cent they gave him for everything in return. It was just for them to just rip up that contract, forget about it, so that he could guarantee himself the Krusty Krab, the Krabby Patty, all of his employees, and that he doesn't even have to go to court or anything. It's just water under the bridge. I don't think it was smart for him to give back 100% of the money, but honestly... In the long term, I don't think it was smart for Mr. Krabs to sign over the Krusty Krab. He loves greed, and even though a large lump of cash sounds great, in the long term, you're going to get more money just owning the Krusty Krab and being there every day raking in the profits. You're going to make more money than what they're going to offer you right now because if if they're going to offer you that kind of money just out of the blue... They clearly know they're going to earn that back in no time. So I think it was a little dumb for Mr. Krabs to take the large chunk of money. I think it's a commendable act for him to go back and be an employee at that restaurant. But uh, I, I also think it's really cool that he was able to essentially destroy the restaurant and, and bully the current owners to let him rebuy it. Then also on just top of that Sunday... 
the poor business decision of just giving back all of the money and at least not keeping one briefcase to maybe pay for the repairs. But hey, it's Mr. Krabs. Now he's back to square one. Well, less than square one. He's got a destroyed restaurant, but he's he's back with his his posse. He's back with his crew. And tomorrow's a new day. And that is the story of selling out. I really enjoy this episode. It might be one of my favorite Mr. Krabs episodes because it it shows off the best and worst of Mr. Krabs in one episode. You get to see him brag about his love for money, his love for greed to the point that he writes an entire shanty about it. You get to see him sell everything he loves for a massive wad of cash only for at the end of the day for you to realize that even when it's money being offered to him, it is not worth taking away the integrity of the Krabby Patty and what that ultimately means to Mr. Krabs. He could be the greediest person underwater, but there is still a soul inside of this Krabs. If you're an artist out there in any way, doesn't have to be painting, drawing, could be podcasting, music, could be movie making, if you're making videos for YouTube, if you're making Let's Plays, video games, whatever. If you're an artist out there, don't let anybody tell you what you should do with your art, with your life. Everybody's allowed to make decisions. And sometimes we can make decisions later on that we would never thought we would make. I want to bring up one example that I found when it comes to selling out. And it comes from the mouth of somebody who I I have followed almost my entire life. And when it comes to a comedic level, he is like my gospel. And I'm talking about the one, the only, George Carlin, who back in 1996 had made some comments about certain commercials for the telecommunications group MCI, uh, a, a group that he would later appear in commercials for And in 1999, when bringing up this dichotomy of having to or deciding to be a part of something that you once deemed, you know, disgusting or all of the negative verbiage he used against it, he simply said, you got to figure this out for yourself when it comes to life and admitted in later interviews that it was due to money he owed, which was the, the purpose to then appearing in commercials. And on one side of that coin, you can point to that situation and go, yep, that is selling out 100%. There's no other explanation. You're not allowed to have any sort of other side to this situation. And what do you know when you when you take a step and you look on that other side and you go, wow, there was an actual reason for this. And even though, hey, it, it might go against jokes and statements that he once made, we don't get to decide the financial situations that we find ourselves in. We don't get to decide the financial situations that we we find our friends and families in that we want to help out. So when those decisions are made, sometimes you have to make them for more than just yourself. And if you make those decisions for more than just yourself, it is something that sits with you and you, you can't, you know, say that every artist doesn't think about that decision and, and maybe the different directions that they would go in other, other means of, 
finding, you know, that that profit without taking those shortcuts or whatever parts of their artistic integrity that they had to change to make things happen. At the end of the day, though, when it comes to the artist of Eugene Krabs, he does have the integrity of his art, which is known as the Krabby Patty. If you are honest with yourself and with what you're making, just that's all you can be. And if it's worth it, there will always be money to be found, maybe not today or tomorrow, but at some point in time, the cream rises to the top. I'm the tower of power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. That is going to be it for this week, mateys. Thank you for joining me. And by the way, when you sit down at Krabby O' Mondays, the opening line for the, uh, for the server is Ahoy mateys, so... Without even knowing it, I already have my foot in the door to be a server at Krabby on Mondays, but I don't I don't need Carl looking over my shoulder. Uh, if you would like to write into the show, you can. You can email me at spongepodpodcast at gmail.com. I already have some questions bankrolled in for a few future episodes. So if you have any questions about SpongeBob SquarePants, or if you would just like write into the show, let me know your thoughts, any suggestions, all of it is always appreciated. I I can't say enough good things about the Ready Crew. If you would like to find me on social media, you can. On Twitter, at I'm Ready Podcast. On Instagram, at SpongeBob Podcast. And you can also search up the Captain Eric YouTube channel using our new handle, youtube.com slash at the Captain Eric. The Captain Eric. Unfortunately, generic at Captain Eric was taken I don't even know this guy, and as far as I'm concerned, it's Highlander rules in my house. You find me at Captain Eric, there can only be one! YouTube.com slash at the Captain Eric. And if you would like, check out my other podcast, which releases every Sunday this week in Nickelodeon history. You can find that on our YouTube channel or on most conceivable podcasting platforms. Uh, please share that show around, and please share this show around. If everyone could just bring another member onto the Ready Crew, I would be internally grateful. I just want more of you here. I enjoy talking with you guys, and any of our discourse through the YouTube comments are some of the highlights of my day. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you would like to support Captain Eric beyond any of the social media ways, you can check out my shop at the Redbubble link either in the podcast description or in the description on any of my socials. You can find many logos associated with any of the podcasts I make, including the new Captain Eric generic logo. You can put that logo on a multitude of different products, so even a small sticker, slapping that on your water bottle, taking a picture and showing it of me, makes my day. I love you guys. Thank you so much. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, please stay safe. Be kind to one another and come aboard again to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. With the Krabby O' Monday spirit. Now, Squidward, you wouldn't want to have to talk to human resources, would you? So, what's our motto again? Uh, uh, sincere service with a smile. (laughs) 